Good morning. All right. Every Sunday, congregations all over the world come together and meet to worship the one true living God. Those of us that do that, we believe that God has saved us from our sins and he's moved us into a place of holiness. And Jesus saved us to worship God. And he outlines how we should do that. And it's in his way, not our ways. I grew up in a very conservative Wesleyan church. Very conservative. We sat in the same pew every Sunday. It was the sixth pew on this side back, just so you know. Every Sunday, that's where we sat. My grandfather would count the pews as we walked down. And one Sunday, I decided I was going to sit in a different pew. Nope, mm -mm, not going to happen. He came and got me, and he sat me in the correct pew. So I grew up in a church where we sang hymns out of the hymnal every Sunday. The worship service was exactly the same layout week after week. I knew what to expect. We had a piano. We had an organ. That's how it rolled. I thought that's how everyone worshiped. And then I got older. And I grew up in a house and a family where as long as we were in church, it didn't matter what church. So I began to go to other churches. When I was 15, my brother was getting married, and he was getting married in a Pentecostal church. So he asked my mom and my dad and me to come one Sunday to worship with them. We were coming from a conservative Wesleyan church into a Pentecostal setting. Now, I knew some of these people. I went to school with some of these people. I knew how they were on Monday through Fridays. But we got there. It was just on the other side of town, actually in High Point. We sat in the back pew. I'm not a back pew sitter. It was different, guys. It was different. But the first ding of the piano, they came alive. And when I say alive, these teenagers that I went to school with were running the sanctuary. They had a few in the front that were literally jumping through the pews. And if you know me, I'm a laugher. I start giggling because I'm thinking, what have I just witnessed my brother is elbowing me. My mom is telling me to shh. And it's, it was, I was in awe. I was like, where is this coming from? And why haven't, why don't I have it? I couldn't understand why I didn't have that, why I didn't feel the need to run around the sanctuary or to jump a pew. But then I went to a couple of other churches. I've been in the Baptist church. I've been in some black churches, and let me tell you, they can rock it out, guys, like none other. I loved it there. I've been to Catholic Mass. A little too stuffy, but I got through it. And what I began to understand is how we worship is dictated on how we're taught to worship. That I was taught to sit in my pew 
not to raise my hand, not to sing too loudly because the person beside of me may look at me funny. But as I've gotten older, I've gotten outside of that a little bit. I don't worship standing still. A couple of weeks ago, I fell off the stage because I was moving around and hit the step before I realized the step was there. And down I went. All right? But God gives us an outline of what our part in worship is about. In 1999, Matt Redman wrote a song, The Heart of Worship. And the lyrics are, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. Worship is so much more than singing a song. Worship is so much more than a piano or an organ or a guitar or drums or a tambourine. It's more than our preference. It's more than our style of music. It's about our heart attitude before God. And we're going to look at it and discover that worship is about honoring that God and glorifying him. And that should also edify others in the process. Therefore, when we enter his sanctuary for worship, self should be the last thing on our hearts and our minds. Redmond continues his song with, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you. A couple, well, I guess it's been about a year, I guess, when the ladies group started the study group on the tabernacle. And if you look at the tabernacle in today's time, we are entering into the Holy of Holies. We don't have to wait for the priest to enter that on our behalf. We don't have to bring the lamb and the goat or the dove for Andrew to slaughter to relieve our sins and to take that away from us. We have the ability to enter into God's presence. And I think sometimes we forget about that. We forget the importance of what happens when we walk through those doors and who we're here to meet. So Ephesians, we're going to be in Ephesians today. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 17 and go through 21. But here's what it says. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So, how does God tell us we need to worship? What is our part in the process? And the first part is we have to be prepared for worship. A lot of us look at Sunday mornings as a checklist. I've talked to my kids about it. Why are you at church? Well, my parents made me come. Absolutely, your parents made you come, right? We check it off. For some of us, if we're not here on Sunday mornings, it throws our whole week out of whack. We check it off a list. Oh, it's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. We're in church. But what if? What if we took the time to prepare to enter into the space, to enter into his presence? We need to not only understand the will of the Lord, but we must be filled with that spirit. 
which means our minds, our emotions, and our will should be constantly controlled by that spirit. It must also be that for our worship time as well. We have to prepare ourselves to enter into that worship with God. And this takes advanced preparation. So how do you prepare? For some of us, it's going to look like praying when we get up on Sunday mornings to prepare our hearts to walk into his presence. Some of us, it's listening to praise and worship songs and singing as loud as we can on the radio or the CD as we're coming into church. For some of us, it's going to look like spending quality time walking and talking through some of the things in our life that might hinder us meeting with God. We all have it. I have them. We all have those things that hinder, whether it's bitterness, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's anger, whatever it is, there are things that will hinder us from walking into his presence. Sometimes it may require an action. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to slip out of your shoes, just where you are. Y'all saw the looks I was getting. For some of us, it's the action of taking off our shoes and allowing God to say, yes, this is holy ground. I am now entering into his presence. Y'all see me walk around barefooted a lot. And sometimes it is very unintentional for me. Other times it is very intentional. When there are things through the week that I'm struggling with, when there are things that I know that I have to deal with before I enter God's presence, I spend time with God and my shoes come off. It's awkward, I know. If you're not used to not wearing shoes, it is very awkward. But it puts you into a different mindset, didn't it? It's like, okay, I'm here. Let's meet. You can leave your shoes off for the rest of the service. I encourage it. You can put your shoes back on if you want to. I'm not going to make you uncomfortable the entire service. But I'm just, sometimes it's just that action that says, okay, God, I, I get it. I'm here. I understand. This is your time. This is your space. So to enter into authentic act of worship, we have to do our part. We can't just walk in and just assume that God's going to meet us here. He is here, and I want you to not hear it. He is here, but we have to do our part to meet with him. The second thing is we have to be intentional about worship. Now, this is where it gets a little bit technical. So the word that the New Testament uses when talking about worship, and I'm going to mess it up because it's Greek, proskintio. And it literally means to prostrate oneself. So that definition gives the idea that the worship of God should be done with great humility while submitting to his will. In the Old Testament book of Psalms, the reader is pointed to the unworthiness of humanity in the light of the glory of God. And the psalmist states, out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. And that's Psalms 131. Denoting his own unworthiness, and giving the reader the image of the one who is lowly before the holy God. It is evident from that passage that 
of scripture that humility, a humble spirit, is necessary for one to worship God. We have to be intentional, and sometimes that intentionality comes with the norms of the day. So normative worship is guided by those cultural norms that the people of God find themselves in, right? We live in a culture that, wasn't, that isn't the same culture that Peter lived in when the church was founded, right? We understand that. We're not in the same culture that the Great Depression was under. It's a different culture. We're living in sometimes a culture that we do not understand. But that is what dictates worship around us. Is steeped in that emotional, our emotional experiences. You can see it right here in our order of service, in the music that we sing, in your participation, in the lighting. That is all geared toward participants experiencing the gospel through emotion. The driving motivation is to make the unchurched feel at home so that they might be able to be persuaded that, that the church can be a positive thing in their life. And I get it. Sometimes coming into a church or any church and you see a production, you start to doubt. Is this really what God wants? Is this really what it's about? Is it about singing for 40 minutes and then having a sermon for 20? Is it more about the sermon? Should we be speaking for 45 minutes and singing two songs? But you begin to look at it through, through the lens of God, and it gets scary sometimes. When I was spending time with God, I, I was like, I'm in trouble because I, this is for me. I, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But the last point is worship, it's not about us. And sometimes that's the hardest part to hit. We can prepare. We can come in. We can prepare ourselves and our hearts and our minds and our emotions to meet with God. Tanya can take off her shoes. We can be good to go. We can be intentional about worship. We can walk in here and be ready to roll regardless of what song we throw up on the screen to sing today. But at some point, we have to realize that it's not about us. It has absolutely nothing to do with us. At all. At all. And I can tell you that your worship team is getting that message. With the songs that we're going to sing today, <laughs> Rachel's going to kill me. There were a couple when Rachel and Emma, we were singing and their eyes were this big. And they're like, we're singing that today? Yep. We're singing that today. But it's, it's not about us. But we get so caught up in what we like, whether it's the music, whether it's how we think the service should go, whether it's the guidelines we think that the pastoral staff should adhere to. But that's not what it's about. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. And we begin to put our personal preference above the callings or the leadings of Christ. We begin to put ourselves above him. And we begin to take complete control of a situation and equation that we have no idea how to balance. We have no idea how to make it work. 
Music has always been, and I think will always be, the big conversation piece in any church, not just this one. However, I have no idea how Peter and the disciples sung when Acts Church began. I don't know what songs they sung. Did they have a drum? Did they have a tambourine? I don't know. But what I do know is they did not have services inside buildings like we do today. They didn't have their songs on the screen or in a book. They didn't have a nice order of service that Miss Brenda does for us every week, right? They didn't have all of that. They came together as the body of Christ and they worshiped. They sang and they listened to whoever it was preach. And that was the life that they lived. Worship wasn't just something that they did for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. It was a lifestyle that they lived. The problem with liking or not liking the music at a church doesn't really matter. And I know that's hard. I know it's hard. Obviously, the music a church does during their corporate gatherings needs to be understandable within the culture that everyone is living in. But ultimately, it's for God and by God, not us. So when we choose to say, I liked it, or I didn't like it, which is more common, let's be real, that's what I hear, I didn't like it today. I didn't like it. Let me let you in on a little secret. We sing songs we don't like to. Okay? But when that is what we're, we're doing, we have a fundamental misunderstanding of what worship is about. Worship isn't something that we can evaluate into like or didn't like categories. Worship is something that God is stirring inside of us. Worship is us responding to what God has done and will do. Worship is so much more than music. It's so much more than music. Here's the statement of the day. In some ways, I much prefer when people tell me they don't like it. For me, it's a teaching opportunity. Guys, I'm learning this. We have finally hit our groove sometimes, but I'm still learning and it's a teaching opportunity about true worship. And it's a chance for me to look at my own heart to see if I turned our corporate worship into my preferences, into what I want to sing up here, into what I think worship should look like. Don't come at me. When older people think the music was too hip, too loud, or too much and the younger people think it wasn't loud enough wasn't hip enough and we could win a little bit harder I often view it as a success the modern church has taught us that worship is about us it's about catering to what our likes are what our wants are our desires are and the reality is that we've been subtly taught that worship is something 
that it isn't. I know it was short, and I'm not done yet, but I want you to know my heart. I came to this church 19-ish years ago, and I've watched this church go through a lot of changes in those 19 years. I've sat here, I've sat here, I've sat there, I've sat there, and I've sat there. 19 years. I've also sat over there. And in those 19 years, there have been two instances where I've had to walk out of service because I was scared I was what was hindering God from meeting with people today. And that's a scary place to be. It's a hard place to be. But we have to prepare ourselves. If we're not preparing ourselves, then we're not going to meet with God today. We're not going to meet with God tomorrow. We're not going to meet with God next Sunday. If we're not coming in here to be intentional about that worship, if we're just going to sit in the pew and say, well, it's not a hymn today, Tanya. I'm not going to worship. Oh, y'all were moving too much. It was too loud. We're not being intentional. If we're coming in here and dictating or getting upset because the order of service is different or because we didn't sing a hymn, you're here for the wrong reasons. And these are all things I've had to work through. I'm there. I'm still there sometimes. You can ask Amber. Every week I fault her on songs. We go back and forth. We're in the office Tuesday and Wednesday yelling back and forth. Do you think this will work? Do you think this will work? But we have to do our part. And that's not just me, Amber, and Andrew doing our part or the sound team doing their part or the, the people I ha we have up here singing doing their part. It's your, you have to do your part. I have three questions I want you to take away today. What can I give today in worship through my singing, my listening, and my participation that will be pleasing to the Lord? What can I do? Is my worship revealing a spiritual prostration before God through Christ Jesus? Am I giving everything I have? Am I laying it down? Am I humble enough today to enter into his presence? Am I more concerned with what is being sung than how I am lifting praise up to God? Am I putting myself above him? When we walk into worship, we are entering into the Holy of Holies. This is where we meet God. We have to come in prepared to meet with our Savior and be intentional about that worship. But we also have to know and understand that it is not about us. And we have to put that into practice. A couple of years ago, I went to Winter Jam. It was the last Winter Jam we'd gone to. It just so happened a friend of mine had some extra tickets. We, she called me up. She's like, hey, you and Rachel want to join us? We're like, yeah, sure, no problem. We love Winter Jam. It's loud. It's crazy. Your heart changes rhythm because of the drums. It's great, guys. So we get there. We get seated. And there is a youth group in front of us. And directly in front of me, he was probably, what, 15 or 16, Rachel? He wasn't that, you know, he was a teenager. But he had on the noise-canceling headphones. And I'm thinking, oh, he's in the wrong place. Because we were three rows back from the stage. And as the concert began, and it began getting louder, people were standing, it was rocking. We were loving it. 
he was sitting and playing on his Nintendo DS. Never once acknowledged anything going on around him. Never once acknowledged anyone sitting around him. He was focused on what he was doing. We hit an intermission and they were changing bands out. And you can tell which band's coming in and out with the decorations and stuff that's coming. And Skillet is making its way or their way to the stage. The big monster head comes out. The drums come out. You know it's coming. And this kid who has not once acknowledged anything around him rips off his headphones, jumps up, and comes alive. I was like, what? What happened? And his mom, who was one of the youth sponsors with this youth group, turned around and she goes, this was the only reason he came. For Skillet? That's why I came too. And it got to a point where I had to step back from worship because this kid Not only was he jumping, hands in the air, singing to the top of his lungs, but he was turning around and telling me why. He was telling me why he liked this song, what it was about this song that made him closer to God. And his mother was apologizing profusely because she realized that I had stopped worship. And that I was in sync with what this kid was doing in front of me. And as I got home that night, I was telling Scott, that's my prayer. That my worship brings other people in and makes me think, wow, what do you have that I don't? What, how do you enter into that and I don't get it? And I'm telling you, this kid rocked it out their entire set. Even when Stars was played and it was all acoustic and they brought out the cello and the violin. He quoted me word for word and he told me why it was about God. That moment began to open my eyes about worship. It's not about me. It was not about me going to see Skillet or Red or Crowder or New Song or anyone else that was there. That is the moment that I remember of that night. Of the four hours we were there, that is the moment I remember. So as the band or the praise team joins me, here's, what we're, here's how this is going to work. We are going through generations of worship songs, okay? Some of them will have motions. Some of them we're going to have to clap on. Some of them are going to look a little different. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to be intentional. Clap with us. Dance with us. Sing loudly, even if it's out of tune and you have no idea what the words are. Last week, I sang half a song and none of the words were right. Okay? It's okay. It's all right. Because it's not about us. It's about God. All right? Can y'all do that for me? All right, everybody's saying, Lord, as we enter into worship, open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirit, and let us worship you. Not what we think it should be, not what we want it to be, but what you are asking and demanding that it be.
It's in your name we pray. Amen.
little bit of clapping.